Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we continue our reflections into these special topics, these topics that are tailored to your questions, a listener. Each and every Thursday, I take a look at the questions you send me, and I kind of set aside time to look over these questions and see you know, what I should answer based upon what we've been talking about, maybe what's going on in the world. And this Thursday, this evening, I'm going to take up, I think, well, another very important question. What is the most important thing we should be present to in our brothers and sisters in Christ? I'll, I'll read that again. What is the most important thing that we should be present to and our brothers and sisters in Christ. So this is the question we are going to take up, and I say we, because I do have Father Mike Ritter back with me. So Father Mike, great to have you with me another evening. Hey, thanks, Joe. It's great to be with you. Father Mike, you were with me, I believe it was July 13th, so what is that? August, September, so we're uh, three months months. removed, (laughs) three months removed from the last time you joined me, and there was a lot of positive feedback from that last uh, radio program, which was about responding to that hard saying, Jesus says to us, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And I thought you offered a lot of insight. So I know our listening audience is very much looking forward to this evening and the insight that you will have for us as we seek to respond to this question, what is the most important thing we should be present to in our brothers and sisters in Christ? And I suppose, Father Mike, off the top, we might think, well, their needs, right? right. (laughs) Right? We need to be present to their needs. But there's something deeper. You know, last Friday, I was looking at this question, and I was thinking to myself, what do I want to do with this question? Because as it appears to be so simple, there's something behind this question. And the word that came to my mind on Friday was dignity, the dignity of the human person, certainly something that I talk about a lot, but maybe not within the context of this question. And then I heard your homily on Sunday that was all about the dignity of the human person. So I thought to myself, well, aha, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask Father Mike to join me uh-huh. for Thursday. And something that has also been a point of emphasis for me is just renewing our appreciation for who we are as created in the image and likeness of God. Pope Benedict XVI, I should say Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, in his encyclical Charity and Truth, says this, Father Mike, man is not a lost atom in a random universe. He is God's creature whom God chose to endow with an immortal soul and whom he has always loved and whom he has always loved. So God says to us, I have always loved you. You can manifest me like no one else. You, Father Mike Ritter, you, Joe Holcraft, you put your name in that line. You can manifest me like no one else because there's only one you. You see, there's a a concreteness, a particularity, a distinction, a uniqueness that sets us apart. That is a reflection of God himself. So we have this call, this summoning, this challenge to 
become the person we are called to be, that we might reflect God the way we ought to reflect God. And, and so here we are looking at this question, what is the most important thing we should be present to in our brothers and sisters in Christ? And we are made to respond to that question with human dignity. I like how you, you pose the question, and going back to Paul Benedict, his first encyclical, Deus Caritas Est, mm-hmm. he said something that really struck me, and, and he talked about, you know, mentioned when we ask, what am I supposed to be present to? What's most accessible, most apparent are? What are the people's physical needs? How can I serve you? But he made a great observation in uh, talking about providing for the needs of the hungry and the poor. He says, while they'll always need the poor, uh, the bread that we can give, what they hunger for more is the bread of our humanity. Yeah. Um, so again, that the, the greater poverty, the greater hunger has something to do with recognizing dignity in the other. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick story, you talk about uh, the, being the unique version of ourselves. I was finding my own path and trying to be uh, the man uh, God is asking me to be. And I, you know, while I was in formation, I spent about a year with the Discalced Carmelites as a novice. And, and during that time, I discovered that this, this really wasn't my calling. I felt like my gifts were more uh, for the, the parish life and whatnot. But as I was leaving, the novice master, he said, Mike, I want you to remember one thing. He says that God only made one of you. Mm-hmm. And that means that uh, not that you're better than anyone else, but that only you can love God the way only you can. And, and if you can't fill that role, nobody can fill that role for you. Yeah. And somehow our, our dignity has something to do with that love from forever and, and that, uh, that desire, that plan that God has for us uh, right where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father uh, Greg Boyle, who do, is doing great work with uh, gangs and whatnot in Los Angeles, he has mm-hmm. a line that, that often rings in my ears. He'll say to his listeners, he'll say, you are exactly what God had in mind when he made you. And, and again, I think that is for us both a great consolation and an incredible challenge. Yeah. You know, um, one of the uh, the great needs that I see in my, my work as a priest and my ministry, uh, I guess, would be twofold. One uh, the one comes from hearing confessions, this impression, the other from funerals, believe it or not. Um, as I More and more and more as I'm presiding over funerals and, and speaking to people about the resurrection and eternal life, I'm, I'm more convinced that we... Um, forget to see in one another as we go through life people with whom we're destined to live forever. Yeah. And um, being present to the grieving and to the dying, you know, on a regular basis has really brought that home for me that uh, a huge part of our dignity has to do with this, this call to eternal life with each other in community. And uh, so often I, we kind of see people as uh, decorations in our own house, the house of our life. This is the person I work with. This is the person who talks to me. This is the person that I do A, B, and C with, rather than saying, this is one with whom I'm destined to live forever. Mm-hmm. That, that somehow our dignity has to do with, with that deeper vision of the, of the people around us. Yeah. The, um, you know, the second impression I have about this question of being present to dignity has to do with... Uh, confessions. And that is, you know, little kids will come in before First Communion or, or whatever, their first confession, and I'll say, you're, you're a good boy, aren't you? <laughs> and they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I am, Father, yep. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. no problem at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you get older, mm-hmm. you know, nine, ten, teenagers mm-hmm. say, you're a good person, aren't you? And they say, mm-hmm. mm, not so much. Yeah. And something that I have heard many times 
uh, say, you're a good person. I'll say, Father, you only say that because you don't know me. Mm. We walk with a, a, a terrible fear, I think, that if we were actually really known, I mean, really, we would be found to be unworthy. Yeah. And um, I think that that um, is a bit toxic for us in terms of our ability to be present and to see the uh, dignity of others. Mm. I, uh, we were thinking this weekend about this, uh, this wonderful story that Jesus tells in the gospel of the king who throws a wedding banquet, uh, who goes out and invites, we're told, both good people and bad people, both of them, but somebody's there who's not uh, clothed in a wedding garment, and he gets cast out. And I've been thinking of that garment as uh, the clothing of dignity. You know, the church fathers saw in that image uh, uh, baptismal dignity. But I, I've been thinking about um, the call that we have as, as Christian people to really clothe ourselves in dignity. And the thought occurred to me, I, this image of getting dressed for a wedding, the thought occurred to me that, you know, when we, when we put on uh, wedding garments, we always do it together. Bridesmaids, groomsmen, they go off that somehow getting dressed for a banquet is, is a community affair. Yeah, it's a beautiful image. I like that a lot. And uh, whether it's the community of the family, the place where we first learn, I'm somebody loved by my parents. I'm somebody who belongs to my siblings. But uh, somehow dignity has something to do with not being alone. Uh, so, so for me, um, what do we need to, to first be present to? What do we first need to serve in others? It's... Uh, we have to be people who, who recognize another's dignity that has all that weight of eternity behind it. Yeah. You know, in the gospel, we read Jesus uh, walking by, and he sees the man in need, and he had pity. You translate pity, and he was uh, moved to the bowels. Yeah. He was gripped. Yeah. I mean, he was gripped. His whole being was gripped by this man's need. Mm. And what was his need? Human touch. Mm. Yeah. Human touch. Really, he, I think, defines mercy for us in that moment, Father Mike, when we come to understand that love is mercy when it is gripped by another person's suffering and we seek to do something about it. Mm. That is is part of the answer to this question. Yeah. Because we're all wounded. We're all suffering somehow, some way. (laughs) I was really struck by what you said there as it relates to the adult. If you only knew me. Yeah. That shame. Yes. that, 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 That fear, that sense of God not wanting to journey with us for some reason, but God says to us, I created you, Yeah. right? I've always held that God meets us how he makes us and walks with us as he is. Well, who is? He's love. So he's going to walk with us in that mode of love, which is defined on the cross, unconditional, holding nothing back. I love you to the end. You were also talking about confession there. I couldn't help but think, you know, we, we go to confession with our worst. And you, Father Mike in persona Christi, you know, Help us realize that God comes to us with his best, and he shows us that we are better than our worst, yeah. that we are indeed uh, made to do extraordinary things. I'm just here looking at this quote from Benedict again. 
we're not a lost Adam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he has always loved us. Yeah. And I really, I, I feel that our great uh, poverty or our great affliction does have something to do with the, with the shame, as you mentioned, and this forgetfulness of our dignity. You talk about um, confession, the great confessional story that Jesus tells is the prodigal son. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm very conscious of that as a confessor because we, uh, we over-identify with our shame, I think. And the way that story reads to me, the, the son says, I'm going to go back and I'm going to make my confession. And I'm going to tell him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And so off he goes back to the father who cuts him off, by the way, doesn't allow him to make his confession. The son, I, I have, I'm the one who has sinned against heaven. And he goes, shh, you're my son. Put a ring on his finger. Yeah. That um, a, a big part of the healing for us um, has something to do with some deeper discovery of, of the dignity that's ours, not because we've earned it, not because of what we have, have not done, but because, um, because God has made us this unique, unrepeatable person. Yeah. And uh, that unconditional love comes with a, with a very demanding challenge, and that is uh, to live as that person. Yeah. We define love with such finite terms. All we have to measure love against is human terminology, you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and really it isn't until we spend extra time with sacred scripture that we can begin to discover, I think, what you're talking about there, Father Mike, as it relates to the father and the narrative of the prodigal son cutting him off yeah. and saying, you know, shh, <laughs> I love you. We struggle with that. Yeah. We really, if we're going to be honest, we struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Father Mike, that works for your understanding of sin, but you still don't know my sin. Yeah. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, and the idea is if you really knew me, you wouldn't love me. Yeah. And that, I think, is our great spiritual poverty. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been thinking about this for a while uh, because it's been such a, it's been so clear to me in my, in my ministry thus far. And a couple of years ago, um, about a year after I was ordained, I guess I, I went over to Rome with my parents, and, and I'd been thinking about the story of the prodigal son, and the most striking line for me, Luke says, that while he was still a long ways off, the son, says the father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. And, and I was sitting with that text, and I went over to a Wednesday audience with Pope Francis, and he came out, and they read the gospel, and they started from, from Luke's gospel, that very verse. Ah. While he was still a long ways off, the ah. father caught sight of him. And, you know, what the Pope said, and it was very beautiful, is he, he asked the question, how did the father see him coming while he was still a long ways off? He says, because this is a father who would go up to his roof every morning and look to see if his son was coming. Mm. A, a very mm. powerful image like of, of mm. mercy, of uh, the father never stops seeing his son, yeah. even when the son stops seeing it. But he, uh, you know, the father was able to see his sonship when that sense of sonship was long lost. Yeah. You know, and I think, what, what do we have to be uh, present to in others? We have to be able to see that belovedness in ourselves and others, even when all the evidence to the contrary suggests there's nothing lovely here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have to be, uh, you know, uh, we have to testify to that, uh, that dignity of the human person that gets marred, it gets... It gets totally twisted, but it never gets lost. It's never annihilated. Amen to that. You know, St. Francis de Sales talks about charity in the context of uh, two words, 
affective charity and effective charity. Affective charity is uh, the love received from God the Father. Mm. He has yeah. been affected yeah. by the Father's love. And only then, as St. Francis de Sales would say, can we be effective in how we are called to love. And really, this is foundational, I think, to our discussion this evening, Father Mike, because if we're going to answer this question properly, we have to be present to, yes, that we are clothed with this garment, yeah. one that has us thinking about how we are called to better live in God, yeah. how we are called to be affected by the Father's love, that we might be effective in what we do. If we're going to properly live for other as we ought then we have to discover what it means to live in God. If we're going to understand the task, we have to first better understand the gift, the gift of our sonship, as, as you mentioned. If we're going to make Him known, we have to come to know Him. Yeah. All of this is about how God wants to reveal to us, essentially, how to fulfill our baptismal dignity, our baptismal vocation, mm. to be uh, present to other. There is a particular... Uh, gift of the Holy Spirit that uh, St. John Paul II once talked about in a Wednesday audience. And I wanted to read this here, Father Mike. The gift is piety, the spiritual gift of piety. So there's seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, what, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, fortitude, counsel, fear the Lord, and piety. Did I name seven? <laughs> I, I'm going to say that you did. Okay. okay. Someone's going to give me a call or send me an email. You forgot one. So the gift of piety. This is John Paul II, and you'll know why this is so important to our discussion. In piety, the Spirit heals our hearts of every form of hardness and opens the heart up to tenderness towards God, and consequently our brothers and sisters in Christ. Tenderness is that authentically fraternal openness towards one's neighbor, which is manifested in the pious soul. With the gift of piety, the Spirit infuses into the believer a new capacity for love of brethren, making his heart participate in some manner in the very meekness of the heart of Christ. I love that line. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> The pious Christian always sees others as children of the same Father. Mm. I mean, this is a microcosm, right, of what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Called to be a part of the family of God, which is the church. The pious soul feels urged to treat them with the kindness and friendliness which are proper to a frank and fraternal relationship. Now, here's a real nugget from JP2. The gift of piety further extinguishes in the heart those fires of tension and division, which are bitterness, anger, and impatience, and nourishes feelings of understanding and pardon. For this reason, at the root of the new human community, which is based on the civilization of love, is the gift of piety. Yeah, that's a, it's such a beautiful way to talk about piety. I want to share a little story with you because it, it's, it's an image that has helped me. And I've never, uh, until now, I've never put this in the context of piety as tenderness. But uh, speaking of tenderness, hardness, bitterness, I some years ago, my, my dad was in the uh, fire department and he lived with the guys in the fire station. And they were cooking abalone one night. Mm. And uh, abalone is a very tough kind of coarse meat. And so they had these little silver mallets, and they're kind of beating the you know meat tenderizers. 
And my mom, uh, he's telling this to my mom. This is what, how they're preparing it. And my mom goes, oh, my gosh, are they still alive? You know, like, <laughs> like they're trying to beat yeah. these abalones to death. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, no, it, it, the meat has to be beaten so that it might become tender. Yeah. And so when, when you turn up the heat, you put it in the oven or whatever, it doesn't become coarse, dry, tasteless. And, uh, you know, uh, that image has been helpful to me because, you know, in life we, we kind of take a beating. In our relationships with one another, we can kind of take a beating. And the grace that I find myself often asking for is uh, the grace I believe is extended to us as Christian people is that of tenderness, that this experience of the, the harshness of our life of relationships really can be, uh, with God's grace, for us a path to tenderness, empathy, piety, or it can be for us a path to cold-heartedness, coarseness. And um, so, so the, the way John Paul II uh, speaks of, of piety as all of these things, uh, a healing in relationship from bitterness, from hurt, uh, that, that grace of, of a pious heart, uh, that call for tenderness uh, is something that for me really is so resonant. Yeah. And the way he speaks to it here as authentically opening us up to one's neighbor, hmm. when we've been beaten down, yeah. when we've been wounded, mm-hmm. what happens? We tend to open ourselves up to other people's wounds. Right. Uh, Matthew Kelly shares this story that you know, he has a close friend who's suffered a great deal. And he noticed that when they would go to parties, he would just kind of gravitate towards certain people. Hmm. And he noticed that those certain people were people who were suffering. And so he asked his good friend, why is it that you, know, you tend to go to this person or that person who appears to be suffering? And he said, you know, I have suffered so much in my life. I know what it looks like at least a little bit. Yeah. And just as I always wanted someone to help me, I know that you know, by the grace of God, I can help them. And again, I think this is some of what's going on here. When we've been beaten down, yeah. we tend to open up. Yeah. When we've been made tender, <laughs> yeah. we can then see other people's needs. Yeah. And this is why, of course, it's so important to this question, yeah. this question of how we are called to be present to others, especially as we put it in the context of dignity, yeah. of dignity. Yeah, I've often, uh, one of my favorite spiritual authors speaks of the church as the intimate fellowship of the weak. You know, that um, we've, we've talked in our conversations before about, you know, the opposite of love not being hatred, but being fear. Yeah. And I think so much of our, our bitterness, so much of our indifference, the cold-heartedness comes from this fear that... Um, Somehow you, you can't be trusted or somehow you're a threat to me. Or, but when we can allow our experiences of, as we say, being beat down or being hurt, whatever, to be uh, bridges for us rather than, um, you know, cause for self-defense. Yeah. I, I really do think that we can be great, uh, give great testimony to the, the dignity of people, even when they're hurting, even when they're losing, and uh, to that call to somehow build relationship with them. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very stuck on this idea of uh, dignity being the project of the community. We, we c- really can clothe each other with dignity, uh, but we have to discover that we've been given that clothing first. Yes. Yeah, we've been given this garment of virtue, mm-hmm. a, a garment that has with it the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of piety. 
when Jesus is gripped by another person's suffering, he's wishing to bring to that individual a sense of community. You are not alone. Yeah. One of the great fears yeah. that we have, of course, is being alone. You know, there's a great uh, Protestant theologian, Moltmann, who talks about Jesus' healing miracles. And he says that, he says, for me, uh, Jesus' healing miracles were not supernatural events in an otherwise natural world, but he said they were the only natural things in a world that has become unnatural. Yeah, yeah. And what do we have to be present to is to see uh, what ought to be, you know, and to, to commit ourselves to uh, restoring what ought to be, the dignity of the other person where they're in a less than dignified situation. But, I, but that, that image uh, for me has been very powerful in terms of what we're trying to be present to here. And we say what ought to be because there first was and is yeah. who showed us how to do yeah. it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Putting, <laughs> we, we use the word ought and, okay, well, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. I have my understanding of the way things should be. But in divine revelation, our Lord gives us the way it ought to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Father Mike, I'm looking up at the clock and we're almost out of time. But I wanted to close with maybe one more thing here. You were sharing a story mm-hmm. recently about being inside of a restaurant. You were looking out and you saw a woman who was homeless. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of us have, well, all of us have had an experience with those who are homeless. And I've shared many experiences here on the radio, but I thought there was something that you were sharing that maybe yeah. could be beneficial to our listening audience. Sure. Yeah, I was, I was just, uh, I was thinking about this, this past Sunday's gospel, the wedding garment and whatnot, and I had just finished celebrating a wedding at the cathedral. I mean, packed, beautiful churches. You know, we were getting ready to go to the party, and we, we stopped for appetizers and whatnot. A very nice restaurant downtown, and I was on the outdoor patio, and just across the street, there's a, a homeless lady there, almost completely naked, um, kind of lost in her thoughts. But, but what struck me about her was just her aloneness. And I, I found myself uh, having a conversation with her in my mind. You know, you and I, we were, we were both born beautiful, perfect, cute little babies, but my community, my family, uh, my parents, they have clothed me with dignity, taught me yeah. uh, what I'm worth, and, and, um, and they continue to do that for me. And somehow, you know, what strikes me about uh, homeless people like that is you always find them alone. And uh, somehow we as the church are that embracing community and have to begin. You know, it, somehow I think the great poverty of people like that is they become somehow subhuman or not part of of the family. Yeah. And um, I think perhaps that's why Jesus had such a, was so preoccupied by them, and, and we ought to share that same preoccupation. Mm-hmm. Benedict the Sixteenth says, we use the phrase third world. What does that really mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> right. they're, that they, <laughs> these people live in some sub- subterranean world? Like, yeah, what does yeah. that really mean? And of course, his point was, again, we were all created in the image and likeness of God, mm-hmm. and our dignity is found in that truth that we are the Imago Dei. Yeah. And as such, we have this great call before us, this this challenge to become that altogether unique person that God has called us to be. We live in a world that wants to be different, Father Mike. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what do we do? We rebel. And isn't it interesting that over time, what was once rebellion is now common? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if we just stood pat, you know, just stayed in Jesus Christ, we might find ourselves unique yeah. as as we are. So yeah. anyhow, we are out of time. Would you mind closing us with a word of prayer? And thank you again, Father Mike, for joining me this evening. It's 
Very it's always a great joy to have you with me. Great to be with you. Yeah. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Father, for the great uh, dignity which you, with which you clothe us as your sons and daughters, and, and we hear the call to, to live with that dignity. And we ask that you restore, renew, strengthen uh, your image in us. And we ask for your blessing, you who are the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.